0: Hello everyone and welcome to the very first From the Hack podcast of the 2019-2020 curling season. This week our guests will include both Matt Dunstone and Tracy Fleury, fresh off winning their first career Grand Slam titles at the Masters in North Bay, and Colin Kurds who recently skipped Canada to victory at the 2019 World Mix Curling Championship in Aberdeen, Scotland. Before getting into this week's podcast, I thought I owed all of you an explanation as to why it took until late October for the first episode of the 2019-2020 season. After some five years of focusing from the hack on player interviews and previews of major events, I felt like it was time to freshen up the podcast and change up the content, but truth be told, it took me longer than expected to find the inspiration for what I want the podcast to sound like moving forward. I don't want to bore anyone by taking it too far behind the curtain as it were, but when you host a curling podcast, you do it because you love the sport and not because it will bankroll your next tropical vacation. I got to a point last season where putting together the podcast every week became work, Something I wasn't looking forward to doing each week. Year one and year two of the podcast was one big bucket list moment for a fan of the sport like me. I got to interview the likes of Jennifer Jones, Kevin Martin, John Morris, Anna Hasselberg, Nicholas Hedin, Emma Miskew, Mark Kennedy and so many others. At this point, over 30 Olympic medalists and some 60 world champions and hundreds of other players and coaches representing 14 different curling nations have been guests on the podcast. However, after a few years, chasing down players and speaking to them while they are driving home, while they're in an airport lounge, while they are doing groceries, or while they are in the drive through lane at Tim Hortons, because I have to speak to them about that weekend's result before it is old news, has gotten, well, old. Fear not, we will still do interviews with the winners of major events, including this week, where we speak to two first-time Slam winners and to a young man who led his young team to a World Mixed Championship. However, my goal for From the Hack moving forward is to tell better stories, to take time and explore the topics that otherwise only get a 30-second clip or a 700-word article of coverage in traditional sports media. As I mentioned, we will still interview the winners of major events, we will still produce our popular previews of the Canada Cup, the Scotties, the Breyer and the Euros, among others, but the main focus will be on telling stories and taking our audience a little bit further behind that curtain of the curling world. So I hope that explains why the start of our season has been delayed a little, and I hope that our listeners will enjoy our new approach to the podcast moving forward now on with this week's podcast so before we get started if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at grand slams at the world championships and at nationals in canada and the u.s well, the answer is provided by Jedice, whose in-ice graphics from Easy and Textile logos to the world-famous Jedi's full house product are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much-needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and Textile logos are the industry standard for high-quality logos, and they're a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable full houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match a Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high profile events. Jedi's. They bring ice to life. <laughs> The very first Grand Slam of the season took place last week in North Bay, Ontario. And as I wrote in my blog earlier this week, I made my way to North Bay with a little bit of trepidation as I was concerned that the city and its curling fans would have difficulty living up to the incredible precedent they set when hosting the 2018 World Women's Curling Championship. However, the city and the people of North Bay, well, they killed it. The crowds were larger than most Grand Slam crowds I've seen, starting on Tuesday night when they welcomed Jennifer Jones back with an ovation that was loud enough to give you chills. Truth be told, many in attendance wanted the women's event to come down to a rematch of that 2018 World Women's Championship final between Jennifer Jones and Anna Hasselberg. However, there were 13 other teams on hand that had different plans, including a team from Manitoba skipped by a player who lives just down the road from North Bay in Sudbury, Ontario. Tracy Flurry has a long history in Northern Ontario, having represented the region at both the Scotties and the Canadian Juniors on three occasions each. And it was very clear from the outset that she was playing with confidence and the crowd in North Bay was going to support her every step of the way. Flurry met Japan's Team Yoshimura in the final and was able to win her first Grand Slam title in front of hundreds of friends and family. Tracy Flurry joined from the hack to discuss her team's big win in North Bay. Tracy, I'm pretty sure you would have been fine with winning your first slam title in Lethbridge or Kamloops or St. John's, but how nice was it to win it so close to your home in Sudbury with a bunch of friends and family on hand to watch you win in North Bay?
1: Yeah, it definitely made it extra special for sure, being so close to home, lots of family and friends in the stands, and uh, North Bay, they just hosted such an incredible event, and uh, the crowds were amazing. You could really feel the energy in the arena, and so it just made for a really special experience for us.
0: So what's going through your mind as that last rock of the final was making its way down the ice and you realized you were going to make the shot and win your first Grand Slam title?
1: Well, I don't know if I knew that I was going to make it right until the end. It was a little bit uh, close uh, for comfort. Uh, We definitely wanted to hit more of the rock than we did. Um, But, uh, yeah, once we knew we had it, it was uh, really exciting. Um, But you just try to take it as it's any other shot Uh, and just kind of focus on... Your technical and uh, just hope for the best. But uh, yeah, it was really exciting when uh, the shot was made.
0: I think that one of the major things I got lost in the previews of the final is that despite the fact you'd never personally won a slam, the rest of your team had won two slam events and you'd played in the slam final before yourself. How did your combined experience in those slam finals help you prepare for what could have otherwise been a fairly stressful experience?
1: Yeah, I think the prior experience um, is really helpful for sure. Um, it's different out there. The atmosphere is different when it's the final and you're the only sheet out there. Um, it can be a bit quieter at times and there's a lot of people in the stands and it's just a different vibe out there. So having the opportunity to do that before, I think, was huge for us. And um, even this season alone, this was our fourth final of the year. Year So I think those um, finals and some smaller events um Certainly helped us gearing up into this this big final.
0: Your team had played Team Yoshimura three times this season prior to the final in North Bay, including in the round robin of the Masters. Does that help you when you are entering such an important game, playing a team you're familiar with, and you sort of know what to expect going in?
1: I suppose it helps a bit, but we kind of just more focus on our game and our strengths. But uh, it, it does make you a bit more comfortable when you have played the team before. But also, because we have played the team before, we know how strong they are, too. They're a really good team, and they, they just keep getting better. So um, we also knew that uh, we were going to have to play our best uh, to be able to beat them.
0: I spoke to Matt Dunstone uh, this week as well for the podcast, and he told me that he knew early in North Bay that he was in a groove. Did you and your team feel you were in a groove uh, in North Bay, similar to what Team Dunstone may have been? Or was it more of a game-by-game thing for you and your team? I
1: think throughout the week it was just kind of like steady consistency, but I think with the season we've been having so far, we knew heading into the slam that it was a good possibility for us that we were going to be a contender. But just kind of steady consistency throughout the week, I'd say. And um, my three teammates, they were playing incredible all week. They were making a lot of shots, so I feel like that made my job pretty easy out there.
0: Your team has played a lot this season compared to most other top-ranked women's teams in the world. Did you set up your schedule in an effort to make a run at that final spot in the Canada Cup, or is it simply that your team enjoys a heavy schedule early in the season?
1: Uh, well, we played about a similar schedule as last season. Um, the only exception would be we added, a, added an early event um, in Japan, um, and that was more just because it was a, a cool opportunity. It, it's a place we've always wanted to go. Um to Japan, so um, we added that one. But other than that, it's been about a similar schedule to last season. Uh, But yes, we didn't have our, we don't have our Canada Cup spot yet. We didn't earn it last season, so that was in the back of our minds also um, that we would need enough points to, to
0: snag that last spot. While I was in North Bay, Britton Moscowi of Team Dunstone told me that their team was well aware of the Canada Cup heading into North Bay and they knew that a semi-final appearance or better would put them in a strong position to earn that final spot. Was your team as conscious of your Canada Cup stand heading into North Bay or were you more focused on performing well and letting the results take care of the Canada Cup situation?
1: Well, it was a goal of ours to earn a Canada Cup spot. So, yeah, we have been thinking about it, but uh, we also didn't want to to put too much pressure on us, so we've just kind of been taking it one event at a time. Um, But yeah, the Canada Cup, it's a a big event and uh, a big goal of ours is to qualify for the next trial, so that's a a step in that direction. So uh, we're hoping that we can uh, get that last
0: spot. Finally, uh, Tracy, I have to ask you about the other storyline in the final in North Bay, and that is the fact that Selena's husband, Connor, is the coach of Team Yoshimura. I'm guessing you guys had fun with that during the week, but I'm wondering if it got a little bit awkward towards uh, the weekend, especially after you knew you'd be playing against them in the championship final.
1: It was um, a little bit challenging at times, I'd say. Um, I'm sure especially for, for Connor and Selena, I don't think it was easy for them Um facing each other in such an important um, game. I think the round robin it was a little bit more laid back, but then once we got to the final I think it was pretty hard on both of them.
0: The Masters marked the first time that the world's best men's teams made their way to North Bay, and the men certainly did not disappoint. As happens any time the Grand Slam of curling visits their home region, Team Jacobs were the crowd favorites. But Jacobs lost in the quarterfinal to a team that was on its way to bigger and better things. Team Dunstone are in the second season together, and although well-regarded within the curling community, many believe that they needed to be more consistent to win a Grand Slam event. Well, not only did Team Dunstone find consistency in North Bay, but Skip Matt Dunstone put on a shot-making display during the week that most people in attendance will not soon forget. Dunstone defeated 11-time Grand Slam winner Brad Gushu 8-5 in the final and then joined from the hack to discuss his emotional win in North Bay. Matt, you've had about 24 hours now to reflect on what was an emotional first Grand Slam win for you this weekend in North Bay. What does the win at the Masters mean not only for you personally, but for your team moving forward this season?
2: Yeah, I mean it it totally puts us on the map, right? As 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 one of the up and coming teams, a, a team that that's obviously proven that they can they can win at the highest level. So, uh it, it's huge for our confidence, our belief in ourselves that we can we can go and 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 do exactly what we did. Uh it's just a matter of of now now we want to kind of take this and and how do we turn this into more of a regular not not necessarily winning them all the time because that's simply not possible. with with all the the world-class teams out there, but how do we we consistently sort of make runs at these events, um, continue to put ourselves in positions to do what we did do yesterday?
0: The road from two-time Canadian junior champion to Masters champion this past weekend has not always been a smooth one for you. It took you a couple of seasons to find a stable lineup that you now seem to have gelled with. Tell me a little bit about what that journey has been like, going from an acclaimed junior career to entering the men's tour with a lot of expectations to winning your first Slam event.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of learning. I've been very fortunate to get the opportunities that I've been given very early on. Um, in my men's career to be able to learn as fast as, as I have. And I give a lot of credit to, to Alex, Connor, and Ian, and, and Steve, and Kirk, and Dallin, and uh, kind of the guys I played with just coming out of, out of juniors. like Just guys who have been around the men's game, um, kind of been there, done that, played in big games, um, won big games, lost big games. Uh, just kind of ran the business side of, of everything. I give a lot of credit to them. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that. It, it definitely helped the learning um, process probably move a little bit quicker than than it has for a lot of juniors coming out of or a, lot, a lot of juniors now in the men's and women's ranks. So it, it's it's just the constant learning and being put in position, put in position of opportunity that maybe uh, that a lot of younger 20-year-old. Um, kids don't really get coming right out of juniors.
0: To be fair, your season started relatively slowly, but I've heard through the grapevine that you had started finding your groove at the canadians Classic in Portage, your last event before the Slam North Bay, before that event was cancelled. Was it something technical that you figured out in Portage, or was it simply a case of you finding your groove, getting comfortable in the hack, and comfortable with the way you were releasing the rock?
2: We were quite disappointed when everything went down with Portage because we were feeling real good about our game. Uh... It was kind of that same vibe, where we thought we were going to make a big, big run at Portage, and, and obviously the storm hit. But you know, a lot of it, I think, was was just going back to technical. Um, just kind of got away from that. We didn't have much practice ice yet, so I mean, it wasn't it wasn't possible to go out every day and and throw through the cones or video, whatever it is, right? To to get back to to what works for you technically. So um, in between, kind of Korea and Portage. Had that time to do so, kind of dial it in a little bit more. Also had had some chats with the guys, and and I, I took a lot of the responsibility for for kind of what our season had become throughout the first three events. I, we had a good first event, but the two after was was kind of on me. I, I definitely wasn't playing up to my standards by any means. Um, so I, I I kind of took that into this week, took the confidence from the two games in Portage, and, and into this week. Um, I just I really wanted to. To show the guys that that I'm kind of back and and I'm ready to go, and so I think uh, think I proved that to them.
0: I was speaking with your third Braden Moskowee after one of your games in North Bay, and he was saying that one of your team's goals this season was to find a consistency that would allow you to take the next big step in your evolution as a team from top 10 in the world to top 5, with consistency being the key at that level because the big difference between top 5 teams and those ranked lower is typically that the top 5 teams are more consistent. After winning your first slam this weekend, do you feel that your team is edging closer to a point where you will find that consistency to make? you a top five
2: team yeah it's, it's it's a step in the right direction for sure one weekend doesn't uh define define what a team is so by no means uh, are we thinking that we're uh, a top three team in the world now um we, we know we still got a lot of work to do um on that front because uh, because at the end of the day that is our goal to be one of if not the top team in the world so we're, we're going to take this and we're going to run with it we're going to enjoy that and Nothing but confidence coming from this, just because it, it proves to us that it totally is possible. Um, making the run that we did, be- beating the teams that we did as well. So we still got a lot of work to do, and we're going to chat in a few days here, I'm sure, about uh, what still needs to happen, or, or how do we get back into this zone that we're in? How do we how do we do this on a more consistent basis? Um, I think that would just be the biggest. The biggest area for us because I mean across the board for all four of us we have the shots to compete with any team in the world and have the shots to beat any team in the world just like you said the the difference is the consistency so um, I think this week we're going to dig deep into that and figure out kind of how how and what we got to do to bring this sort of performance um, out a lot more often.
0: We often hear athletes talking about being in the zone, and it's something that 99.9% of athletes can't really relate to because we never experience it. You were in the zone all week in North Bay, making highlight-worthy shots in just about each game you played. Tell me what it feels like to find yourself in the zone, and what, if anything, you tried to do to stay in that zone last week.
2: Yeah, it's it's a fun feeling, and, and with this week, I felt it early on. I think a big combination of kind of how I got into that was just the, the confidence in the ice, um a confidence in, in my team um a, a confidence in uh, uh, confidence knowing that they had their confidence in me um and just the confidence and we had in our preparation like it was we were just a very confident group coming into it and, and it was very strangely relaxed right from the get go The slams were kind of our, our pinpoint for this year that, that we wanted to do a lot better in them, and for our first one it was we we're over the top relaxed and, and once we kind of realized we were in that zone, we were we are ready to make a run um, at this. It, we just made that extra effort to just be sure to stick with our routines. Like we, none of us have to do anything different we, just because it's playoff time or whatever. I don't have to do anything extra. Catlin doesn't have to do anything extra. Deuce Mosky, they all don't have to do anything extra, right? We just gotta gotta stick with that, and it's it's gonna, it's gonna be what it's gonna be. So we just made that little extra effort once. Once we realized that we had the opportunity uh, to make a run, just just the extra effort to stick with what we were doing.
0: And finally, Matt, one of the bonuses of winning the first slam of the season is that it puts you in a good position to earn the final spot in the men's event at the Canada Cup in early December. What would it mean for you and the team to earn that spot in the Canada Cup, especially since the winner will secure a spot in the 2021 Olympic trials?
2: Exactly, and, and I think we're in the driver's seat for that now, so obviously we've got to go and have a... Have a strong next last event here, and hopefully lock that spot up, but uh, even just winning this slam like if we do make that Canada Cup, I just think for us as a whole, it just gives us that confidence going right into that Canada Cup if we were to slide in um that there's no reason why why we couldn't go out there and, and make a good run at that as well so i I think it it just gives us that confidence as well and and that's because the spot's not quite locked up yet, um, I think that's we're gonna we're gonna celebrate this one, enjoy it. Um, but as for goals for this season, uh, we still got a little bit more work to do for that Canada Cup. So uh, come about Wednesday or Thursday this week, I think it's uh, it's going to be go time again. How to prepare for Halifax and and hopefully uh, bang off a second one in the second one in a row. I mean it's uh, it's pretty impressive. Brendan won three of these in a row last year. Hard,
0: hard, hard. Arnold Ascham's passion for curling, along with his natural propensity to explore new ways to better the game, led him to a whole new world of product design. As a result, all Asham Curling Supplies products are designed with the curler in mind. Asham's patented Ultralight RDS technology makes it possible to change and customize your slider with any combination of sliding discs. With equal resistance on all sides, the circular design that guarantees a straight slide. These circles have also been designed larger and with stabilizing bars from the outer unit sole to produce the most stable straight sliding shoe the world has ever seen. Go to www.asham.com for brooms, apparel, and revolutionary designed footwear. And if you're considering buying new curling shoes, you must consider the rotator sole. It's the sole of the future. <laughs> Earlier this month, Colin Kurds and his team from the Assiniboine Memorial Curling Club in Winnipeg represented Canada at the 2019 World Mixed Curling Championship in Aberdeen, Scotland. Despite being one of the youngest teams in Scotland, the Canadian squad was not content with simply enjoying the experience. They wanted to bring home some hardware, and boy did they ever. Defeating German curling legend Andy Kapp in the final to win a second consecutive World Mix title for Canada. Colin Kurds joined from the hack to discuss his team's impressive victory at the World Mixed Championship. So Colin, I've interviewed numerous curlers that have represented Canada internationally and each one of them has told me how much pride they felt when they put the Maple Leaf on their back for the very first time. And I don't believe any member of your team had ever represented Canada before. So tell me, what was it like to put on that Maple Leaf uh, at the 2019 World Mixed Championship in Aberdeen, Scotland and then have to go out and defend a title that Mike Anderson and his team had won for Canada last season?
3: Uh, You are correct. None of us had ever represented Canada before. We've been to uh, national events, but um never had the opportunity to actually wear a maple leaf so um I think if you ask any Canadian curler that's always the dream to put on a maple leaf on your back and get to represent your country so I uh, yeah it was definitely something that I'm never going to forget and uh it's actually funny because our jackets were a little bit delayed getting to us so we didn't see what they looked like until the night before we left and um they got delivered to my house so i pulled them out of the box and i tried them on and i sent the picture to the guys and they were just super excited to see what they looked like and they couldn't wait to try them on when we got there so we got there and we had a couple of days to kind of just get used to the time change before we started our practice and then um i think just when we first uh, went into the change room and got ready to go and put them on and then you come out and you see your see the your other teammates there and uh they're wearing, they're wearing their Canada stuff and you're in your stuff. And it's, uh, it's one of those feelings that you're like, wow, this is, this is real and this is fun. So um, I think that's something that if I ever get the chance to, to do it again, it'll be just the same. Where every time you get to wear something uh, that's with a maple leaf on your back, that's pretty exciting. And um, I think for all four of us, we were, we were definitely overwhelmed with how, uh, how excited we were to, to be representing Canada.
0: Wearing the belief in curling also comes with a lot of expectations and pressure. Yours is a pretty young team. So I'm wondering if you felt any pressure at the World Mix in Aberdeen, or were you mostly there for the experience and let that perspective take over while not worrying too much about the actual results?
3: Yeah, I think there's a little bit of both. I think um, for sure we were there for the experience. We had a chat before we went and said, kind of no matter how we do like just make sure we enjoy it because it might be something that you never get to do again but also at the same time we're four competitive guys and four competitive curlers on and off the ice where it doesn't really matter what we're competing in we're competitive so um i think we set our own goals and they were pretty pretty high goals and you know we really wanted to medal and that was something that was always in uh
0: in our minds
3: uh before we even left we wanted to be coming home to canada with something um and yes, like you said, if you're representing Canada, that is something that has a lot of pressure because we are known for our curling. And um, we, we, we did just win the year before the gold at the mix there. So um, there definitely was maybe not pressure, but expectations that people had and um, people were wishing us well and they, they wanted to see us do well, which was nice. But um, just as a team, we were we kind of had our own expectations going into it that we really wanted to curl well, but at the same time, um make sure that we took in the moment and you know experienced everything that we that we could because like i said there you never know if you're going to be able to get back to that level and represent your country again so we we definitely did both those things we curled really well and um from start of the week to the end i couldn't be happier with our performance and then also um we had a lot of fun we got to meet a lot of teams and we got to um take a lot of pictures and uh bring a lot of things back with us that we won't forget and we'll have some keepsakes for sure so we experienced uh we enjoyed the moment and got a lot of experiences and it won't be something that we'll uh, we'll ever free up for sure
0: Many younger curlers may not know Andy Kapp, who was a skip of the German team at the Mixed Worlds, but he's arguably the best men's curler in German history, having won five medals at the World Men's Championship. In retrospect, did it help your team that you had to face a tough German team in your first round-robin game, forcing you to be very focused from the very start of the event?
3: It actually was pretty late that they announced who was going to be representing each country, so um, we didn't really know who was representing who and then when we saw Andy handicapped's name i thought that was pretty cool that we were going to get to play him because i did i did know who he was and um i didn't know the extent of who he was until i looked it up on wikipedia there and you saw a whole list 14 or something world uh, men's appearances and stuff like that so that's a really big name in my books and i mean if there was ever ever nerves it was in the first game because you want to come out of the gate strong and um, when you get a team like that you don 't know how they 're going to play and you don 't know how you 're going to play in the first game you haven 't really played on the ice too much you just had practice and you didn 't get any game time play so when we got into that first game, that was very that was that was one of the most exciting games I think i 've ever played in my my curling career because it was amazingly played by both teams. They did not miss shots, and we were not missing shots and it went right down to the wire and it was it was one of those ones where um you you couldn 't really take an end off if you missed a shot it was a pretty big miss and everyone knew that and um, there was a lot of pressure shots that I had to make and a lot of pressure shots that he had to make and both teams had a lot of pressure shots and um, it was one of the most fun games I've ever played because uh, I didn't know Andy Kapp before but he is one of the nicer guys that I've ever played against that that whole team was was amazing to play against and Uh, he knew that we were pretty young and he had a lot of experience so he was trying to talk to me throughout the game so that I wasn't uh, I wasn't too nervous and you know I was he was trying to like get to know me and after the game we sat down and we we talked with them so yeah I think that playing them in the first game was a huge help to us because it got the nerves out and it knew it gave us the the reassurance that we were going to be making some good shots because that was probably one of our more complete games um, top to bottom as a team we didn't miss much that game and we had to make a lot of shots against that team because they were very good and uh, we ended up getting the win which was really really a good start for us Um, especially with the pool that we were in there was a couple teams there that are new to Kirtland which is good to see but um, in terms of the uh, the skill level we didn't have to make as many shots um, and there wasn't as many pressure situations so to get that game out of the way and to be able to win that one and play really well was that uh, was definitely, um, I think good for us to be able to take that into the rest of the week and, uh, into the playoffs there and, you know, draw on that one.
0: We needed to. A bit earlier, you mentioned that you are the skip of a young team. Uh, one of the stories to come out of the mixed worlds was a play of your 17 year old third, Megan Walter. Tell me a little bit about her play at worlds and about the week the two of you had as the backhand for Canada. Yeah, for
3: sure. She, uh, She is very young, and she is very good, so um, the joke that I've had this question a couple times, and I keep making the joke that I'm very happy she's on my team, because if she wasn't, I would be cheering her on from uh, back in Canada, because she she really is a a special curler. She makes a lot of shots, and she plays way, way older than she is. Um, I am pretty young still, and I've I've done quite a bit in curling, and um, she's (laughs) quite a bit younger than me still, and... She is very good, and I'm super happy that she was on my team because she made my shots a lot easier, and she was always uh, she was always just, like, mature on the ice. She she was always, uh, you know, giving me the confidence that I needed. She was backing me up every time. If I missed a shot, you know, and she gave me the, oh, don't worry, I'll get the next one kind of thing, and I thought that that was really cool because she might not be um, that experienced in the sense that she's only 17, and... She hasn't had as many life experiences and stuff like that, so she plays way above her age, and as a curler and both as a person, she she yeah, she's yeah definitely very happy that she's on my team because as, even as a person um, and as a curler, she she plays way above her age uh, and she's very mature and um, she she as a curler so far at the age of seventeen has has lost a fair bit of finals um, and she really beats herself up for that, but um, I just keep telling herself that she's 17. When I was 17, I was still, I don't think I'd won a big game. I don't know if I've even played in a big game at 17. And she's played in, in many big games. And a couple of them have gone her way and a couple of them haven't. But um, there's going to be a lot of games that are going to go her way in the future. And she's got a very bright future in curling. So uh, I look forward to watching her and seeing what she can do uh, in both the the juniors this year and then for another couple of years and then in the women's once she... Uh, AD's out of junior. She's going to have a bright future, curling.
0: I want to skip forward to the championship final at Worlds now, which was a rematch against Andy Kapp in Germany. You scored three in the fifth end for a 4-1 lead, only to give up three points in the very next end, and then you gave up a steal to be down one coming home in the eighth. It would have been easy for a young team like yours to get frazzled after that happened. What did you guys talk about between the seventh and eighth ends to get refocused on the task at hand?
3: Before the seventh and eighth end, we had the, the sixth end where we gave up the three was kind of a... The point where you could see the nerves start to kick in in the team, but I'm not sure. the semi final, it was the exact same thing. We were we were sitting pretty good, and then we gave up a three and six again. So um, I think in in playing seven, we we kind of tried to just uh, we knew we knew where we where we needed to be and what we needed to do to win the game, and we were still in a really good spot. Um, and it would have been a little bit tougher if we had missed a shot and gave up a three, but and he made one of the nicer shots I've seen in curling with a nice soft weight. Like it was a, a little bit of a run back, like slash double shot. So there wasn't much that we could do to defend against that. He made an amazing shot. So you just give him kudos for that. And then you move on. And um, we played the seventh end, maybe not quite the way we wanted to. Um, but on my last shot, I had a draw. It was really tough. Um, but I said before, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm really okay with giving up one because all week we've, we played really well, and we were able to score deuces um, when we needed them. And as a team, playing the playing the eight band I knew that if we made eight shots, we could score two. So um, my my shot came to rest, and I was a little bit I was a little bit wide. We needed to touch the a good chunk of the button, and I didn't get it, but. My weight was perfect, so I kind of just reassured him. I said, you guys, you know what, we're playing well. We just need to keep playing well, and we got eight more shots, and if we make all eight, I bet you we win the game. So as a young team, I think we were pretty pretty relaxed with how well we've been playing all week, and we knew that we could just, you know, make eight more shots. That being said, I think there's still a lot of nerves in the situation. It's a pretty big stage, and we, as a team, um, we're playing well, but everyone knows curling, and that can change. So we stayed focused, and... Um, We played a really good eighth end. And talking about Megan, she made two amazing shots in eight that really set us up for the win. We didn't have too much going, but we had a center guard. And she wrapped one, and then she wrapped another right on top and kind of set me up for my shots. And I only had to throw one of them because she made her two so perfect. And then I put one on top and uh, didn't really leave Andy with much. So, yeah, it was was a pretty stressful final because we thought we had a little bit of a breather after we took the three. And then we gave up a three right back. But um, we were playing good enough curling that we knew that we could, we could still pull through and win the game if we were making our shots. So that's kind of what we focused on doing, and we were able to
0: do that. And finally, Colin, the one question I like to ask players after they win their first World Championship is, what went through your mind when you realized that you had just become a World Champion?
3: Honestly, I don't even remember, really. I just I remember saying to Mig before he threw, he was trying to play an in-off to leave us sitting one, and I would have to draw the pin for two. And I said, um, if there's any shot that I wanted to play, it would be a, an outturn draw to the button. So um, that was what he was going to leave us. So I was pretty confident that I could make it, but um, Andy went down, he was playing the in-off, and he let it go, and they pounded it pretty much halfway. And then I heard a big whoa. And then that, when I heard that big whoa, um, I think I got a little bit of chills because when you hear a woe like that, you know that something might have went wrong. So... They just miscalled the sweep a little bit. The rock fell a little further than they wanted to, and um, I watched it kind of come down. Went in, went off, tapped our rock about three inches, but not enough to move us to only be sitting one. And uh, yeah, I, I don't really know if I had words at that point. I was just really excited that one. I didn't. I didn't. If I didn't have to, I, I wasn't gonna throw my last one. It was um, not a sigh of relief, but definitely it was exciting that I knew that I, we had won the game. And, I was just excited to celebrate with the team and uh, we played so well all week and uh, to be able to be rewarded with that and to be able to bring back uh, a gold medal to Canada is really cool experience for us. And it's it's really something that I never, never dreamed of being able to do, but it's, it's something that when we arrived at the airport on Friday and um, there's a group of people waiting for us and the Piper and like that, that's stuff that, that we won't ever forget. So um in the moment, I'm not sure if there was words or if there was anything really going through my mind except for, like, wanting to scream and be super excited. But afterwards, it's definitely definitely a memories that um, I won't forget. I think that whole final, I think I could go shot for shot and um, kind of relive the whole thing because it's it's now vivid in my mind. But at the time, it was all there. And speaking with the team after, it's kind of all the same. We're just... Couldn't believe that it actually happened, that we were able to play as well as we did top to bottom throughout the week. And um, to go undefeated through an event like that is just just—it's really special to us just to you know reaffirm that we played super well, and it was just such a fun event. So I think in total and all, it was just uh, something that we'll never forget in the experience um, itself, not even just the win, but being at a world event and getting to experience um, 40 countries being there getting to know a lot of new people and having so much fun with them was was definitely um a highlight in itself and being able to win and bring back gold medal to Canada was uh icing on top so it was it was tons of fun and um yeah definitely memories we'll never forget
0: and that does it for this episode of the from the hack podcast if you haven't done so yet please follow us on Facebook and on Twitter for all our latest curling content I'm Frank Rock and this is from the hack